Hello, everyone, and welcome to So I've Heard, the student government podcast for the students. Joining me today is Carrie Leonard, a graduate student studying developmental science. Hello, Carrie. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm doing great. Um, so I guess we should just jump right into it here, okay? All right. Um, so you're a grad student uh, in developmental science. Yes. Okay. Second year. Second year. Okay. Um, your undergrad was not here, correct? Correct. Okay. I am actually from Michigan, okay. and I did my undergrad at the University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I did not jump into grad school right away. I actually worked for two years um, at the University of Michigan as a full-time research assistant mm-hmm. for the School of Public Health. Okay. Uh, how does University of Michigan compare to NDSU-wise? Uh, is it, like, some similarities, some differences? That's a good question. I do think about that often. Um I think it's pretty similar in um, the, like, pride of the school and mm-hmm. the bit of the culture. Um, Michigan is a bigger school, so that's a big difference. Sure. Um, the school feels pretty small to me personally, <laughs> um, just because Michigan's very big and large. Mm-hmm. So that's one big difference. But the research is pretty similar. They're both um, very into research. And... Um, yeah, those are some basic differences. Okay. But um, no, I was just kind of curious, you know. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the people that we meet at NDSU kind of have had their entire experience at NDSU. So, oh, okay. you know, someone coming from uh, from the University of Michigan, um, you can kind of compare and contrast uh, what schools are like. Um, and I like to think that NDSU is kind of the uh, more on the typical side of, uh, of college life, um, you know. I don't think we're that necessarily outside the norm. Yeah. Um, I just thought of another difference, actually, mm-hmm. is that um, here, like, the college campus feels very much like a college campus, mm-hmm. and it's like it has its boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, but Michigan is actually pretty interwoven into the city, Okay. Um, if that makes sense. Like, buildings and yeah. the location of campus, very interwoven in the city. Mm-hmm. And it- so sometimes you're like, on campus, and then the next point, you're like, <laughs> okay. So it's it very much downtown. it very much feels like it's part of the community, like it's yes. it's it's all just kind of blended together. Okay. Yes. Okay. But NDSU seems more like this is the college. Yeah. Campus, and uh, then you have to go somewhere. For yeah. Downtown. I mean, I think that it kind of has to do with the fact that you know there are like roads and lanes of traffic that very clearly define like mm-hmm. the the area around campus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess kind of coming back to graduate school, so like. You know, you had mentioned that you were working um, for the university after graduation. So uh, what got you interested into grad school then? Well, I actually knew for a long time that grad school was my path. Okay. But a couple of reasons. I wanted some work experience. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel ready to just jump into grad school. Um, I wanted some work experience, gain some more research experience. That's what I was doing, Mm -hmm. um, a research assistant. And I also didn't want the stress of applying to grad school while <laughs> finishing up my undergrad. Yeah, I can I can understand. I don't know how people do it. I feel like, for me, it would have been way too stressful, and my performance would have been hindered. I was doing an honors thesis as well, mm-hmm. and so I just said, like, let's wait. There's no rush. Mm-hmm. Grad school will always be there. So, But I did know that I was probably going to do that as my path. Okay. And there were a couple reasons for that. Um, oh, I guess I should mention my um, 
major in undergrad. Yeah, I, was just, <laughs> I was about to ask, I but I was, I, was, I was waiting for a moment to kind of come in there. Um, yeah, like what, what, was your, uh, what was your undergrad major? Yeah, um, so I got my bachelor's in biopsychology, cognition, and neuroscience. That is one major. Okay, that, that's a lot of words I don't understand. Yeah, um, I so know. Maybe <laughs> you could... I'm in the psychology department, okay. so just a division so, of psychology. Uh, you said it was biopsychology? Yep. Okay, so what uh, what does that look like then? Is it just analyzing the brain from a biological standpoint then? Um, it's the perfect mix of neuroscience and psychology, if you can think of that. So mm-hmm. having the physical aspect of looking at the brain and brain functioning and structures but then tying it into psychology and how does that impact behavior. Okay. Um, so it's, it was a really interdisciplinary major um, within the psych department, and that's why I chose it, because I love interdisciplinary Yeah, um, like, you know, subjects. working within different, like, areas of, yeah, uh, of, more, of study. Yeah, it's more comprehensive. And mm-hmm. so I, didn't, I chose that because I was torn between neuroscience and psychology, mm-hmm. came okay. across that. Um, ah. I don't think it's very popular. Um, I don't know other schools that have but yeah, so that's that was my undergrad major, and then as a research assistant when I was working, uh, it was in the School of Public Health. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so going into grad school, and now I think you said you had two years of experience now with it, um, mm-hmm. so what does a normal day for you look like uh, within graduate school? Uh, is it is it somewhat routine? Um, is it sort of a, you're doing something new every day? Uh, you know, tell, tell me about it. I don't think there is a typical day okay. for grad students. Um, you do have your normal like class schedule. Mm-hmm. That's also different than undergrad, too, because you are taking fewer classes, um, like two or three, or at least for our field in developmental science. So, for instance, I have class um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, mm-hmm. um, but not Mondays or Fridays. So that's typical, your normal class schedule. But beyond that, it's really up to you and whether you want your day to be typical or not. Mm-hmm. But beyond class, you have um, lab meetings, other meetings of like collaborations, meetings with your advisor, any groups that you're a part of or committees. Mm-hmm. And those can vary, of course. And then you have your classwork that you need to do, your research um, to do. And so... Yeah, I don't know if if there's a typical day, but, you know, for me, it's I go to class and I like to do my work at home personally, Mm -hmm. not on campus. So then I go home, try to do some classwork, work on my work on writing for my thesis proposal and research tasks and reading, lots of reading, (laughs) lots of writing. And so that part's up to the person what they like to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So like today, for instance, I don't have class because it's Friday. Um, so that's the time I do my errands, and then it's just a nice long day to just get as much work done as I can. Okay. But then it doesn't look like that on days that I have class. Um, okay. So it, it varies. I don't, okay. Yeah. yeah I don't it's, know so it's, it's more uh, you have uh, somewhat of a structure, but uh, every day kind of has its own u- unique uh, tasks to get done. Yep, and grad students have a lot on their plate. There's a <laughs> lot of different tasks yeah. to no. do. Um, yeah, Lots you, of different tasks. Yeah, you had a uh, you mentioned that you were uh, writing your uh, honors your thesis. Right? Yeah, my, for my master's. For thesis, your master's, because okay. I came in with just my bachelor's. Okay, um, I guess this is kind of segues into our next topic. So, what is uh, what is your area of research, or what what are you uh, looking for or studying uh, within developmental science? 
So I am working with Dr. Elizabeth Blodgett Salafia, and she is in the Healthy Eating and Body Image Lab. Okay. Which is really cool, and that has, again, I have a pretty linear story of I knew I always wanted to research body image. Mm -hmm. So that is why I came here. I found her and loved her work, and so I said, I guess this is where, <laughs> I guess okay. this is where I'm going because I wanted to work with her so much. So um, my thesis, my master's thesis that I'm working on is actually a collaboration with my alma mater, which is really cool. So I am looking at something called body challenges. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of that term. Um, is this similar to, uh, like, I, I think it was a number of years ago, um, like someone would uh, would take, like, a shot glass and put it up to their lips, and, like, it would be, like, the Kylie Jenner lip Bingo. challenge, I think. Yes. Okay, so that that's, awesome. so that's what you're researching then? Yes. Um, it's never been researched before, honestly. Mm -hmm. It's totally a new field. There's no literature on it. That term body challenges, I kind of had to, like, come up with okay. a definition. So but it's so it's it's you're literally inventing the language as you're studying it too. It's it's that unknown still. Yeah, it seems like really. Yeah, that seems kind of uh, like counterproductive then, because you it's it seems very prevalent at least. Like the fact that I yep. know what a Kylie Jenner lip challenge is should yes. tell you that I think it has like it does definitely exist and it has been widely spread. And the fact that it hasn't quite been studied yet is right. is a bit odd. But I mean, right. if, you know. And there's a first time for everything, so. Right, so that's why I feel excited about it. And so I'm looking at that, and how do those challenges make youth? I'm interested in the adolescent life stage. Mm -hmm. So how do those challenges impact youth and their body image? Okay. And it was in collaboration with my alma mater. So it was this, there's this really cool project. It's called My Voice. Um, created at the University of Michigan, and it's also interdisciplinary. So the mm -hmm. team involves people from like the med school, School of Public Health, etc. And what it is, is it is a text messaging service Okay. with a national cohort. So they have youth from all over the country, mm -hmm. and they every week there is a set of questions on a certain topic, up to five, and they text out these questions to the cohort. Mm -hmm and then get responses instantly. And these questions all revolve around their goal of wanting to get youth's real-time opinions mm -hmm. on issues that matter to them. Okay. So it's very, it's like youth advocacy. Okay. So they want to take that information that they gather and impact policies for mm -hmm. youth, um, disseminate that information, and lift up the voices of this group that, you know, sometimes isn't always listened to mm -hmm. because they're young. So it's a really awesome project, and when I left, I was like, I don't want to leave. I don't <laughs> want to leave that project, you know? So talked to my advisor, Dr. Salafia, and she was open to collaborating. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I got my questions from. I created five questions around body challenges. Um, you know, asked them, what challenges do they know? Where did they hear about them? Have they done them mm -hmm. or know someone who's done them? And how did they make them feel about their bodies? So mine was all qualitative data because okay. it was just open-ended responses. Yeah. But it can questions can be quantitative. You mm -hmm. can't just put in a one-to-five scale. But mine were all qualitative, and I really love qualitative data personally. So yeah, that's that's the project I'm working on right now personally. But my advisor does some work with Barbies, mm -hmm. and that's like her big thing is looking at Barbies and how does that impact. Um, mm. Yeah. 
women's I, body image. You had mentioned that earlier, and I was about mm-hmm. going to ask about it. So what is, like, the focus of using those uh, those Barbie dolls? Or, like, what's the purpose of that uh, in, in relation to body image? Well, I'm sure you don't need me to tell you that Barbies have a bad reputation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in yeah. the media, mm-hmm. they, you know, are definitely told that Barbies are bad. Don't let your daughters or sons even play with them mm-hmm. because it can hurt their body image later on because the Barbie doll, very thin, not proportionate, mm-hmm. not realistic at all, and not diverse, although they're changing that. Mm-hmm. So the research, too, that tried to explore that question, like, does it harm body mm-hmm. image, self-esteem, has actually been pretty mixed and isn't um, researched very much. Okay. So that is why my advisor got really interested in that. She wanted to add to the conversation. And it's a continual study. We're, we're actually about to do a next wave of collecting more participants for it. Um, but the work she has found in the past is actually that playing with Barbies doesn't really impact body image okay. later on, like playing with them in childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, she found no associations with body image later on. Okay. So that was interesting, and that seemed kind of not what you would expect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's her definite big project, and she has an eye tracker, too. Okay. Where... So, uh, so just for my... Uh, yeah. what, what exactly is an eye tracker? So it's this little thing attached to a thing, <laughs> a thing attached to a computer, and it tracks where you are looking at on images, and like, it creates a pathway. Okay. Or like a heat map of like how long you're looking at spots. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. like a little device that kind of measures where your eye is going, and yeah. and can map that to a screen. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's really fascinating. It's really cool technology, and so another part of the Barbie study is looking at eye tracking mm-hmm. of where people are looking at when they're looking at Barbies versus other dolls um, and toys, and then comparing that to their self-perception. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she just does a lot of stuff with Barbie dolls, and so I'm still part of that, too, even though that's not related to my thesis, but mm-hmm. that's, I think, the great thing about grad school is that you can get a ton of different research experience yeah Uh, i was going to take a step back and kind of go uh, a little bit bigger than than body image and you know kind of the way it's uh it's brought to the adolescent population of of social media Mm -hmm. and you know i definitely believe that social media um has a an effect on people's self-perceptions or their body image um and i guess um, was that ever a consideration of part of your research, looking at not necessarily just body challenges, but also of social media interactions at all? That is definitely part of it because body challenges mm-hmm. happen on social media. Yep. They happen on Instagram yep, especially. Yep. So it's not a literature I'm super familiar with. I'm still like learning about it. But mm-hmm. it is media generally is part of the big three things that impact body so okay. media, peers, and family okay. are the big three things. And with social media and the progression of social media, yeah. it's really important to have research keep up with that mm-hmm. and learn about it. So I'm not an expert yet. I'm still learning. But okay. I think social media is a special, I don't want to say special, but a particular place where these body challenges happen and body image can be yeah. harmed by social media. That with comparisons yeah, the, uh, and other things. Yeah, I, w- I would agree that um, 
the the pervasiveness the pervasiveness of it all um does kind of like get worse on social media because it is so easy to share something and you know i don't think peer groups and family you know the two other groups that you said um would be as willing to uh to like share out these challenges um yeah i I would definitely agree that uh that social media um is beginning to take more and more of a an active role in our lives Mm -hmm. and in, in influencing uh, our decisions and our self-perceptions, definitely. And youth especially, because mm-hmm. I think youth, adolescents are very vulnerable. It's a vulnerable time, yeah. right, you know, in general. Yeah, you're you're impressionable. Yes, and then, you know, they grow up with social media, too. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely why I'm interested in, it, interested in it and also surprised that these things haven't been researched before. Mm-hmm. But there is some research out there with um, social media use impacting body image or internalizing the thin ideal. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, not specifically with body positive. So that's kind of the new frontier okay. that I'm going into. But, yeah, still learning. There's a, there's a lot yeah. to learn. <laughs> I feel like that's the, uh, that is the story of grad school. There's oh, always yes. so much to learn. You may think you know it all. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, Turns you out even, you don't. You haven't even scratched the surface <laughs> oh, yet. Oh, yeah. Nope. <laughs> um, yeah, like going uh, from there and, you know, kind of bringing it back into grad school then, um, you know, like, when uh, when you were applying to grad school, I know you mentioned that you knew always knew that you wanted to do it, but um, now having been in it for a while, um, you know, someone that may be considering it, um, like, what does it take? You know, what what uh, what do you have to have in order to not only make it into grad school but also be successful in grad school? Actually, when I was applying and I was talking, you know, I was talking to people, giving their advice, mm-hmm. a grad student told me that you needed three things to be successful in grad school, and that was curiosity, passion, and hard work. Mm-hmm. And that has really stuck with me. And that was a couple of years ago now, and that still has stuck with me. And I think she said it perfectly that Mm -hmm. those are the three key ingredients to be successful all equally like you know you can have hard work but if you're not passionate you're not gonna be motivated Mm -hmm. so definitely those three things but in addition to that what else it takes you need to know what you want to do right i should say you need to at least you might not have a very specific area of research that you're interested in or a topic it, that you're interested in, but you need to have a general idea. You cannot be all over the place. Um, you need to be focused and know that, hey, at least, you know, I'm interested in development, so mm-hmm. I've got that down, or like I'm interested in adolescence. So you need to have that focus and like at least have that path mm-hmm. of knowing where you want to go down. And I would say it takes a lot of um, good time management skills. I feel like that's kind of an obvious answer. You know, (laughs) I think it's an obvious answer, but it's maybe one that uh, it's it's so obvious it just sits right under your nose sort of thing. Because, you know, I feel like time management is, is, yes, it is an applicable skill to everything. But um, I think because it is so applicable to everything, it can kind of get lost in some of those assumptions about what it takes but i feel like definitely within grad school um it is like very key you know you have 
you know, like you said, you have a lot on your plate every single day. And if you don't, uh, you don't manage that time and, you know, you don't manage those uh, number of hours in the day, it'll get away from you and then uh, it's going to be hard to get out from. So. Yep. And you won't get things done. And mm-hmm. that ties into you have to have a long term vision. Like you have to be able to ride things out because projects take a long time. Grad school takes a long time. My program's five years and that's not even the longest. You know, you could be in grad school for much longer. So that time management, knowing how to prioritize when to get things done, what's most important, but then still remembering that end goal or that end project or whatever, you need to be able to remember that Mm -hmm. so you don't get lost along the way. So you said it was a five-year program. So uh, does that include undergrad or is that five years of graduate schooling? Oh, five years of graduate schooling. Oh, okay. If you're coming in with your bachelor's. Oh, so it would be then potentially nine years with without a bachelor's or or is that not necessarily applicable i'm oh i don't follow so you so, so you need your bachelor's to apply oh, okay right so to ha- yeah you have to have your bachelor's then it's five years if you're coming in with your bachelor's mm-hmm. if you're coming in with your master's already and just getting your you want to get your phd that's typically shorter like about three oh, okay. years so it's just how much uh prerequisite have you you've done to get yeah. to that point okay okay yeah so it can vary but then of course sometimes it takes longer than what the program mm-hmm. says you know their program is designed for five years but when you get to those final stages it might even take you know it might take longer because whatever reasons <laughs> bumps along the road with mm-hmm. collecting data you know etc so that's the that's what they say but it doesn't necessarily mean you will graduate mm-hmm. within five years. It might take longer, yeah. or at least for our discipline. Okay. Well, it's definitely uh, good information to know um, for anyone that would be like considering or yeah. uh, thinking about applying for graduate yeah. school. So. And that's also why it's really important to know what you're getting into because it's such mm-hmm. a long time. You want to know that you like want to do it, that you like love the topic you're mm-hmm. interested in. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I wanted to go back to a little bit earlier. You had mentioned um, that the – the uh, advisor you had picked that was the reason you came here yes um so um you know what uh what is that relationship like working with your advisor um is it still much more of like a uh, a master and student kind of relationship or does it get um more i would say casual like you're more on an equal level of with them i can't speak for all graduate students mm-hmm. i can only speak for myself and our relationship is very good, and I do feel like it is a little more equal. Of course, obviously, they're your advisor. You're mm-hmm. learning from them, and they're your mentor. So there is still that little bit of a difference, but it is a little more equal. It's not like you are their, you know, little research minion. <laughs> like, <laughs> she listens to my ideas mm-hmm. and wants to foster those ideas, and she is very kind which is big. She is very kind, respectful of my time, listens to me, and is helpful in aspects outside of school. Mm-hmm. Like, they, you really can build a strong relationship with your advisor, which is another crucial thing when looking into grad school is what advisors you want to work with, and you want to make sure that you mesh with them, okay. that your personalities match up, your working styles match up. Dr. Salafia lets me be autonomous, but still has, you know, offers guidance and helps me. But like with my thesis, for instance, like she 
was totally on board with the idea. She didn't try to, you know, change it into something else that she's interested in. She, you know, let me initiate that project and it's a wonderful thing. So us, you know, we have a good working relationship and I think she is a great, great advisor. Okay. Um, so how much of that um, advisor kind of relationship, um, it, how much of that is like necessary for the grad student experience? Like, um, can you still have a, uh, a grad experience um, at graduate school with an advisor who may not necessarily um, share the same kind of passions mm -hmm. or uh, I can, I can hear the groan, <laughs> the groan came in. Okay, so I'm guessing that's a no then. I, you can make it work. Mm -hmm. And I think people have made it work, but it's just my personal view. So, you know, mm -hmm. take it with a grain of salt. You don't have to listen to it word for word, but it is so crucial to have that good relationship with your advisor and that you are lined up mm -hmm. in, um, you don't have to be perfectly lined up in research interests. Like you could branch off, but as long as there's that common connector and then having common working styles, mm -hmm. personalities, I think is very important because your advisor kind of dictates your grad school experience because you're working with them so closely. You mm -hmm. see them all the time. So I think it matters greatly or at least in fields like that involve research like you know psychology developmental mm -hmm. science yeah those type of how fields. many how often do you see your advisor is it like once a day is it once a week what's the i mean does it vary so i am actually taking a class of my advisor so okay. i definitely <laughs> see her then in class um she's teaching a parent-child relations class mm -hmm. and then we have a regular once a week meeting um, weekly meetings, so definitely twice a week, but then sometimes, you know, if things come up, you know, you might see an extra communicating over email mm -hmm. fairly often, I'd <laughs> say almost every day <laughs> about something. So, yeah, you're just, you're in constant communication, always seeing your advisor, which is why I think it's important to like your advisor, because mm -hmm. then your experience is going to be miserable, you know, if you don't like your advisor, if it's a toxic relationship. Yeah. It's gonna be hard to make it through all those years. Yeah, it, it's it's five years of your life. You know, you yeah. should probably like the people that you're going to be spending it with. Yes, sort of thing. I okay. mean, school can be hard enough, so it's not good to have yeah. bad close relationships. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I guess kind of moving on from there now, like so, um, you know, you talked about time management and like how that's kind of crucial to the uh, the graduate student experience. Um, but like. Beyond that, are there any other kind of challenges or like potential pitfalls that you would that you might need to be aware of as a grad student, or uh, like what 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 uh, what are some challenges that you would have? I guess one challenge would be um, letting go of perfectionism. Mm -hmm. I would say, which is pretty specific. I okay. think a lot of grad students are perfectionists, and I think that is probably a quality that got them to grad school mm -hmm. is, you know, being high achieving and, you know, a good student. But I think in grad school, you need to learn, which I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. I'm still learning to, to let go of that perfectionism. Like you are not going to know it all. Like we talked about earlier, yeah. you are absolutely not going to know it all. So I think grad students might have a hard time because they 
you know, want to be good. They want to be high achieving still. And so it can be hard to let go of like, I don't know everything. I'm not perfect. I don't need to get an A in every single class. Mm-hmm. Um, grades, I mean, they matter. But the more important thing is that you are actually learning and applying the skills you have to like your research and outside work. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to just learn to let go of that perfectionistic side of yourself. Sure. That I think a lot of grad students have. Hopefully not just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I think that's probably some very interesting advice then because you'd think kind of the opposite. You know, you want to be the very best and the very highest achieving that you could be. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that either. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that is good advice that, uh, you know, you're not going to have every every answer to every question. And um, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be something to discourage you. It should be something to motivate you. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And I think there is a difference between I want to be high achieving to get an A in that class versus mm-hmm. I want to be high achieving to learn mm-hmm. and to like know. Does that make sense? I yeah. don't know if I even said yeah. that, I, I think how I get I'm it. thinking it. Yeah, <laughs> I think I get the point you're talking about. It's you're more concerned with what you've learned than a letter on a test. Yes. More, I think. Okay. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's probably good advice for for everyone too. Definitely. Um, you know, it, you might uh, you might have gotten a B on that exam, but if you did um, sit down and actually learn and be and be able to take mm-hmm. that material with you and apply it, then mm-hmm. you know that's that's definitely a win, and that should yes. be that should be something that uh, you know you can you can be happy about. You know. Yes. You know, just because you know, I'd re- I guess um, so. I guess summarizing it, it would be. I would rather have an 88% and be able to to apply what I've learned than get a 98% and just dump the information after I'm done learning. Yeah, like just I memorized it so I could mm-hmm. do well and then forget about it. Yeah, right. I agree. That's a good yeah. example. So um, I guess we'll cap it off here um, with the hopeful end of your graduate school. Um, so when you do have your, your doctorate, correct? You're mm-hmm. going for a doctorate. Um, so where where do you want to go with that? Like where uh, where are you gonna what what does uh, what does the future hold for you? Well, I can never say what the future holds for me, <laughs> but and my views are actually shifting right now too. Mm-hmm. So traditionally, I expected to be in academia. Um, I love research, and that's why I'm here. So I expected to be a professor and have my own research lab, mm-hmm. and you know teach all that, but. Since I've been in the program and kind of learning more about that, like, private sector, the non-academic sector, Mm -hmm. I'm a little more open and interested in other avenues because you don't absolutely have to be a professor. Just because you have Mm -hmm. a Ph.D., you could, or at least with developmental science, you could work for the government, you could work for, you know, agencies, you could work for nonprofits, you could work for schools, and... Right now, I feel like that might be an interesting area to explore that might fit my personality mm-hmm. a little bit more, perhaps. So I can't say for sure, but I'm definitely open to maybe like nonprofits, for instance, okay. is something I, you know, really am interested in and care about. But, you know, it also just depends what's out there on the job market by the time by the time I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm open and I think having a Ph.D., 
doesn't it doesn't have to funnel you mm-hmm. into a certain avenue like academia. You can have a lot of transferable skills and having that PhD I think opens up a lot of doors for you. Hmm. Doors that you might not know yeah. existed. Okay, that's uh that's very good advice then, you know, looking <laughs> looking towards the future. Um so I guess we're gonna probably bring things to a close and wrap things up. Um, do you have any any shout outs um, that you'd like to make, you know, any events that you might have going on, anything mm-hmm. you'd like the students to know about? Yes. Um, well, if you are interested in the research that I was briefly talking about here, you can check out the lab website, mm-hmm. Research NDSU Healthy Eating and Body Image Lab. Um, you can check out that website with recent publications, projects, you know, what we're doing and you could even perhaps be a research participant if you're interested. Um, and then also, I guess, depending on when this gets released, but the parenting class that I was talking about, we are hosting a workshop specifically for student parents. And that's going to be next Friday, November 15th, um, from 1130 to 1. Um, we have posters out. We've had You might have gotten some emails about it because we sent it out on listservs. So if you're a student and a parent and you want to learn how to navigate that world, like finances, parenting skills, where to find good resources, um, definitely come to that workshop next Friday. We would love to have you. Okay, very good. So that's the student-parent uh, workshop on Friday, November 15th at 7 o'clock, oh, you said? Um, um, 11.30. Okay, 11.30. To one. So it's lunchtime. Um, okay. Lunch will be provided, and there are prizes as well. So... I think it's going to be a good time, and it's going to be um, in the Union, actually, in the Badlands room here at okay. NDSU. So, yeah, if you're if you're a student parent and interested in that, yeah, that'd be a great thing to go to. Well, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Um, it's been a joy to have you on and talk with you. Yeah, thank you so, so much. Yes. So I've been Jordan Itch. Uh, she's been Carrie Leonard, and this has been So I've Heard. Uh, I will see you all in the next episode. All right, take care. Bye-bye.